Okay, it's the Chance of Gaming podcast, the first one for the year 2022, I had to think, and uh, it's episode 81. I'm Adam, and with me always in the new year is Richard and Roy. Always in the new year and in the old. Hi, this is Rich. Hello, this is Roy from Holland, Michigan. It's probably cold up there. I watched a hockey game last night in Minnesota, and it was pretty cold there. I wasn't in Minnesota. I was in my jammies with a blanket on me watching the cold people. Okay. You know, they have the uh, the Winter Classic. Uh, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. I think about. it's the Red Wings, isn't it? No, it was the Blues. Oh, all right. The Blues won Sorry. the Winter Classic last night. Cool. Uh, I saw, speaking of hockey, yesterday where um, Mississippi, the Gulf Coast of Mississippi's hockey team is returning. And I'm trying to think where they let's see. They'll be the best team in the whole state. <laughs> it really will. <laughs> um, Dad Gummit, what was the name of them? I cannot remember. Um, Mud Hens. The Sea uh the uh Sea Wolves. That's not bad. That's it. Let's see. Yes, Mississippi the Mississippi Sea Wolves are returning to the coast uh with um tickets going on sale this week. I mean, it would be. I think I would be all over that if um, I lived down there on the coast. Yeah, it's a great we, sport. If they can do it in Vegas, they can do it in Mississippi. Well, I would argue you guys, uh, you know, Vegas has a much bigger tax uh, revenue, you know. <laughs> but yeah, uh, that's true. Just in the terms of of heat. At one point, we had the Sea Wolves down there. We had the uh, Jackson Bandits up here. And further north, uh, there was a Memphis team that actually played in South Haven, Mississippi, which South Haven is just over the border. It's basically Memphis suburbs. So we had three at one point. And uh, now I think we have two college uh, club teams. We have Ole Miss and uh, MSU. So just so, I, I just had an observation about hockey. It's it's. It seems to me that amongst all sports, for whatever reason, hockey has a very um, faithful following amongst amongst geeks. And I don't. Why do you suppose that is? Because I, mean, I know that like Kevin Smith is a big fan of hockey. Yeah. And, and well, of course, you are rich and I would count you as a geek. Yeah, uh, I've, I've never made that correlation myself. I'm not sure. Um I think of baseball as really more as a geek thing because it's so numbers based with the analysis. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did have a friend who was really into the Stratomatic baseball. Oh sure. And he was a big geek too. But yeah, it's, I've, I've just that's been my observation with hockey is that for whatever reason it kind of cuts through uh, demographics. I would yes. say definitely hockey is like a super regional type thing, mm-hmm. and. Uh, I mean, the I mean, in my lifetime, the NHL almost died and it people figured, oh, OK, it's it's going to basically become like cricket in the UK where it's only got some rabid, you know, following or whatever. But it's actually done, you know, really well. But people thought it would just be in the uh, Canada, Mississippi, uh, Canada, America corridor, basically the. The Rust Belt, whatever that oh. is, you know, yeah, yeah, and basically the upper that, third of the United States, or probably uh, not even not even that, just the upper row of states. 
Yeah. 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 So that's what they figured it would be, but it's actually gotten bigger, I think, now with a lot. I mean, like I said, we even have minor league teams here. Now, you mentioned Stratomatic. I would, I'm interested in that. I would actually like to see like how it's played. Uh, a friend of mine from the, um, the Blood Red Skies podcast, uh, he got it for his kids for Christmas and took pictures of them all going through and like building their teams and stuff. Mm -hmm. So just, yeah, that's kind of really appealing. I had no idea that it was baseball was insane with stats and people that follow it until like a few years ago. Uh, what was the, uh, the movie Moneyball? Yeah. What? Yeah. Moneyball. Yeah. That kind of, that kind of shine. Yeah. Shined a light on it, you know, but eh, just interesting. So, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I, I'm another thing. Hockey is different. You know, I, the most pop I would argue that the most popular sport in the U.S. is football and yep, probably 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 followed by basketball and then baseball you talking about to you talking about the, the professional sports to watch. Yeah. Yes. Yes. OK. That people are interested in that not only. Yeah, they either want to watch on TV or they would actually go to a game. It yeah. would be. NFL first, then NBA, and then uh, MLB. Uh, and, you know, it, you get geeks that are into soccer and stuff, too. And I, I really think it's because it's different. You know, it's European yeah. or, you know, whatever. It's not everybody's into it. So I, I think hockey has that flavor. Uh, what's, the, what's, the, what's the big New Jersey team that Kevin Smith devils, right? That's the oh, NHL yeah. team in New Jersey. Yeah, the devils. yeah he's a big Oilers fan, though. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. that's right, because his hero is Wayne Gretzky. Yep. Yep, that's that's right. And uh It'll be where the puck's going, not where it is. <laughs> he, he talks about um, you know, he fully believes in don't meet your heroes. So he's never met Wayne, but he's hung out with like Wayne's dad a whole bunch. <laughs> so yeah, it's just interesting. I, I guess, huh? yeah. It's it's hero adjacent. So there mm-hmm. you go. So being this uh, is the new year, I wanted to ask you guys if you had the same food tradition that we have in the South. And I'm just going to go ahead and guess no. I well, I also want to say that I've lived here in Mississippi my entire life. And I didn't know there was a quote unquote food New Year's food tradition mm-hmm. until until about like ten or fifteen years ago. Said black. I have piece? heard of this before. Yes, it's yeah. uh, and I'll have a link in the show notes uh, from some New Year uh, some station in um, gosh, I think they're in Tennessee or no North Carolina. All right, it's. Mm-hmm. It's pork, black-eyed peas, greens, and cornbread. And its greens are supposed to represent wealth or money. Black-eyed peas are supposed to be coins. Pork is an Asian thing, I think. I think there's Asian traditions like you don't want to eat fowl or anything that flies because, like, your money will fly away or something like that. You want to eat pork because pigs root in the ground, something like that. There's an Asian thing about eating pork on New Year's Day, I know. And cornbread. You're not supposed to eat lobster because lobsters go backwards. Okay. Okay. (laughs) Cornbread is. Yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah. You were saying about lobsters going backwards. 
Oh, I'm sorry. That's all. I was just I, the lobsters go backwards, so that's why you shouldn't eat them because it, it kind of you know it symbolizes the um, you know I guess not progress or you know going backwards. Okay, and this is um, uh, this is a thing that you're supposed to do today on like the first day. Well. I guess yesterday, the first day of the new year. I'd say, what day is this? Okay, it's the second. That's right. So it's the first day of the new year. Yeah, the last one, I think, was cornbread, which is supposed to represent gold. So, you know. And again, I had no idea. I had never heard of this until I moved up here and started seeing, like, news stories on it. I was like, what is this? I've never heard of this. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. So you guys don't have any regional thing like that. I, I don't know. I've kind of started one. Um, so my uh, wife, her 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 mother was Norwegian, um, not like you know off the boat Norwegian, but but a proud Norwegian woman. And so um, I've st- I want to start doing uh, shots of aquavit for uh, New Year's Eve. So aquavit is a um, it's like a vodka that's flavored with coriander. So it's kind of an herbal sort of thing like um if you're familiar with malort which I, I think is mostly a chicago thing uh it's a it's somewhat bitter uh vodka so aquavit is uh well in part it's latin for the water of life um so it's just you know shots to your health i guess it's uh the national spirit of scandinavia mm-hmm. it was once believed to have healing powers uh, you can toast like a Viking. Yeah, Marie, there's these things uh, that are the. I'll look at the show notes. Liquor.com has a ten facts about it, and yeah, I didn't know it. It says it actually is varied by the region and the different herbs and spices. So, no, yeah, right. the Danes have a different one, and yeah. So, but yeah, coriander in um vodka sounds interesting. I would try it. Um. Well, what I got was distilled in Grand Rapids, <laughs> so <laughs> I guess it's whatever variety that they make in Grand Rapids, Michigan. They use um, just grass and weed from overgrown plots in Detroit. Well, you know, being Michigan, it might in fact be weed. Yes, could be. <laughs> um, damn, what was I say? Oh yeah, um, I tried Boodle's gin last night and apparently they're known for not having a heavy juniper flavor to it okay and so which is a bit refreshing but i mean gin tastes like gin because of the juniper kind of without it it to me it tastes more like vodka but i don't know anyway here on liquor talk you know this is what <laughs> we do the number one car show in america um so uh, I actually I did something I didn't normally do on my drive back uh, from Florida from the holidays, and that is listen to other podcasts. And I'm a huge fan of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, it, yes. know, at least from second season on. And I started listening to their new podcast. Um, it's just called the Always Sunny podcast. It's Glenn Howerton, uh, Charlie Day and whatever max name real name is um and they just basically what they do is each episode they they before they record they all three watch uh whatever episode of it's always sunny 
they're going to talk about and then they just kind of talk about it but i just found it fascinating that they were so much like us in the sense of that's the plan but they don't actually follow it they will get off on tangents of like bubblegum or juilliard or just whatever and literally they try to keep it around an hour so they don't go long but they will spend out of that hour 40 minutes talking about everything but that episode and <laughs> okay yeah it's just fascinating mm -hmm. to me i got a big kick out of it just like hearing them because uh, i mean i can't exactly remember some of the ones they're talking about but uh i did just finish the new season and they recorded these podcasts as they were recording the new season and so that was kind of neat them talk about like oh yeah we've got an episode where we're in a castle and we filmed that today and i'm like oh yeah that was pretty funny so i like that and then i noticed something i had saved on my overcast app and it was a bunch of episodes of behind the bastards are you guys familiar with that yes yeah. well and you introduced me to them and i've uh I listen to them off and on. I, yeah, I kind of just cherry pick what I'm, you know, interested in. I think what, what started me out was like, um, it was the actual, the architect of the, the Holocaust, the Holocaust, the, the guy that got it done. It was a guy I'd never even heard of, mm -hmm. but he was one of the, the big Nazis and whatever. And so it was two part thing on him. Is it was fast. Hess? No, it was somebody that uh, you've never. Yeah. Okay. Uh, sweet live Google. Let's see behind the bastards, Nazi, uh, Holocaust. Thank you, Google. I do not know how to spell Holocaust. So, um, yeah. I'm trying to see who is this bastard. Literally. Um. Wow, they have really great show notes. That's nice. Although they don't like turn them into links they just toss them on there anyway i guess i'm not gonna spend too much time on it but uh it was really neat but what got me after that was uh listening to stuff about king leopold and just what a horrible bastard he was oh, so yeah and we've talked about that before mm -hmm. that what, and, uh, you you're uh you had to if you if you shot a bullet you had to have a a, a hand a, a yeah. hand yeah yeah okay. yeah, yeah so <laughs> Which, I, as I'm driving along, I'm like, why can't they just bring back the shell casing? Or, you know, like, why do they have to, like, cut hands off? Ugh, I don't know, but, yeah. Well, we're not committing genocide against bullets. We're committing genocide against the, the people of the Congo. But, yeah, it's it was really good. And, I yeah, I want to uh, uh, listen to about um, Saddam Hussein's... Um, he has some weird, like, young adult fiction thing that he was into, and oh, yeah, yeah. There's, there's some other ones on there. Anyway, so so that's what I had uh, been listening to, and um, so, yeah. Uh, behind the Bastards is, is uh, Robert Evans was one of the guys that used to be on some of the um, uh, How Stuff Works podcasts. Uh, and I'm not sure which ones, but I know that he was he used to, to work for them. If, you, if you're familiar with... Um, um oh shoot stuff um, how stuff works stuff you should know um as a how stuff works podcast and then robert evans had some other uh did some other series for them 
and now he's on Behind the Bastards. Um, I'm fascinated that mm-hmm. it, it's done kind of drunk history style, except he's the straight man where, mm-hmm. you know, he's just spitting facts, you know, and all this stuff. And cite, he's spitting facts, citing sources like you wouldn't believe. And usually he has a co-host that's like a comedian or, you know, uh, another podcast host or whatever. And they're yeah. crack, cracking jokes and stuff. The, the With, dollop is like that, too. Which, as I'm driving, I'm like, huh, I could be on this show. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, how do I get on this show? There's a ton of podcasts like that. What would he let me it's do? Just what laying down do? facts and narrating them. And uh, what I find fascinating is um, he oftentimes does not tell his co-host what they're going to be talking about. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or, or just gives them kind of just a broad thing. Oh, what got me started on it. Damn it. I just realized this. It wasn't the Nazi thing. It was the episode about Steven Seagal writing a book. And it called it could happen it, it, something like uh it could happen happen shadow wolves uh the deep state whatever it could happen here this something or the other but anyway it's just it was hysterical them talking about it because i really enjoyed the um uh, uh steven seagal episodes that he did because he is a really really horrible person and yeah so anyway so, uh, moving on to actual television. Are you, where are you guys with Wheel of Time? I'm still not watching episode. it. Okay. I tried getting into it with my, uh, well, I watched it with my wife last night, and uh, she said, ah, this isn't for me. So, I've seen okay. the first episode. Just curious. Um, so, yeah. Uh, it, yeah. I, so it's... Does this series carry on with the four, the four young characters? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The okay. books, the books do. I, I, I mean, honestly, I think I know they changed some stuff, and people are getting annoyed. Uh, I, w- I didn't follow Game of Thrones. I think I read the first book, and it's all I've ever done. And I was just, you know, I wondered if people criticized uh, that show as much as I've seen book readers criticize Wheel of Time. Not until after the show passed the books. It was almost universally loved as long as they were following the books that have already been written. As soon as they started doing new material that George R. R. Martin has not written yet, it fell apart in a hurry. Yeah, Uh, I mean, I do remember that where it just like went right off a cliff and people lost their mind. And yeah, Yeah. and to this day, people are still mad about it. And it's funny to me, like I'll be in like Barnes and Noble or somewhere like that and there'll be like a discount bin and it'll be like full of game of thrones stuff and i'm like oh yeah remember when this was such a huge thing everybody was walking around you know wearing shirts that say like i drink and i know things and, oh yeah and, you know remember with this you know yep. people had people their own ha- naming their daughters khaleesi or daenerys yeah oh, my dad gum that thing just whew, died really really mm-hmm. fast but yeah anyway I don't uh, feel the need to read any more of the novels. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I read the first one, and I'm like, it's this is too this isn't for me. And honestly, the weird thing is, you would think it'd be like right up my alley, but I and this is just I this is just for me. I am not criticizing the book and saying you should not read it because of this. Just me personally, I read it and determined that it was too violent for me. I was like, and way too 
rapey. So uh, well, I was like, I'm like, nah. We are expressly against the burning of children. Yeah. And it is from Game of Thrones that we came to that stance. That so. Yeah, that is, that is true. That is absolutely true. And yeah, I was just like, nope. I, I'm like, ah, this isn't for me. So I'll just continue on my way. And that, there it goes. <laughs> you know, let people enjoy things, whatever. But uh, so another show that I have gotten into is called Yellow Jackets. And did you guys watch Lost? Yeah. Um, no, not really. I'm familiar. Okay. I, I would say if you've watched Lost, and you can remember like what that first season, first second season was like, mm-hmm. where you could not wait until the episode aired, where you were hopping on the internet and discussing fan theories about what does the pink sock mean or whatever, you know, what was the apple in this in this scene? What does that you know? Yellow Jackets gives me that feeling again. And this is, they're still in their first season. It's on Showtime. And it's just I phenomenal. I just love it. It's got, yes, it's it has lots of teen angst, but it also has cannibalism and <laughs> possible supernatural. We're not sure yet. Uh, lots of crazy people. And yeah, it's, uh, man, I really, really, really dig this show. Uh, so if you like, you know, those kind of, mystery type shows like you know lost you know okay so yeah i got a question though so this is about a girl's soccer team yep a high school soccer team so yep please tell me juliet lewis is not playing a high schooler uh she is playing a high schooler grown up the incident happened and this is not oh uh, okay it's not got spoiling it. anything these these this high school uh girl soccer team are going to nationals. They won state, they're going to nationals. They charter a private plane and take off. They're heading to nationals. Well, they end up off course and crash somewhere in the woods of Canada. And yeah, I'm kind of getting a Lord of the Flies vibe here. Oh yes. And because they were missing for 19 months so and all kinds of shit happens it's like the look the very first scene of it is this girl like running through the woods and she falls into this trap and is killed and then uh they weird looking people stringer up butcherer and uh eater so And I know I just got through saying that, like, you know, the violence was too much for me and the the other one. But, yeah, I don't know. It just the the way it was shot and done, it was I'm like, yeah, it's okay. I'm like, I know this isn't. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and Christina Ricci is in this. Is that the blonde blonde girl? uh, She is blonde with curly hair. Okay. Yeah. uh, And she's uh, crazy as a shithouse rat. And, yeah, it's what a very, very interesting character that she plays so really really digging that highly recommend it and yeah you should watch it cool. uh another thing my brother introduced me to when i was in uh florida for what was it was it christmas yes christmas uh was this show called on becoming a god in central florida and i had never heard of this show before it's also on showtime and it is a dark comedy starring uh kirsten dunst and uh about a she 
uh, works at like a shitty little um, water park. And it's like in 1992 is where it's set in Orlando. And uh, her husband is like really, really big into some kind of multi-level marketing scheme. You know, like Scentsy or, you know, all these different. Amway. yeah, yeah, like it, I, that's actually what it looks like is uh, is Amway because they're selling kind of shitty generic products of, you know, whatever. And um, well, yeah, Amway owns the Orlando Magic or they yep. did. It's the they have the Amway Center. <laughs> and uh, also there is a Behind the Bastards episode on Amway. So. Oh, all right. All comes it, back around. Uh huh. It's it's in my queue. I haven't I haven't um listened to it, but yeah. Well, anyway. I did listen to the one about Eric Prince, who is a local guy. But continue. What did he do? Who's Eric Prince? He's uh, uh like a Trump in law, isn't he? The Blackwater. Yeah. No. That's uh oh. um that's Betsy's brother. Betsy oh. DeVos's brother. Okay. Hmm. Sorry. All right. Tangent. Yeah, yeah, well, it happens. Like I said, you <laughs> listen to the It's Always Sunny. That said, oh, yeah, also in Always It's Always Sunny, I had no idea Glenn Howerton is from Mobile, Alabama. Oh, all right. So how he ended up in New York going to Juilliard and then, you know, in L.A. doing commercials and movies. And then, yeah, I that's an interesting story, I guess. I wondered about that, how that happened. And the waitress, you know, the character, is married to Charlie Day. Mm -hmm. Her parents live in Mississippi on the coast. I also did not know that. So, Hmm. small world. So, did you guys watch the Book of Boba Fett? I did watch that. I have not yet. Roy, It's on my list. Roy, when Batman shows up, I just blew me away. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, it's, uh, well, I guess this will probably be spoiler-free, I'm guessing, right? Yes, what we're I don't care about. for me, but maybe for listeners. Yeah, sure. And I was I mean, surprised when uh, Boba Fett killed the Emperor personally. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. When Palpatine came back again, I was yeah. like, really? Uh, with, a, <laughs> with another Death Star? I'm like, come on. How many times have we had to two go back Death to Stars for, for testicles? Yes. And then he had like his own, the child, only this child was like blue instead of green. He's like, no, 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 it's completely different. So. <laughs> So it now is we, the same same actor from uh, the prequels, right? Oh yeah, yes, yeah. He played okay. the clones. He played well. He played Boba's father in the movie. Yeah, and he yeah. played the clones. Django. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, uh, I, I, everybody got a kick out of Dad Bod, uh, Boba <laughs> Fett. You know, because he, you know, he's not like he's like ripped or whatever. I was surprised that like, I think he's sixty three, and Migna Ren. Uh, is like 58. She just doesn't oh. age. Yeah, uh, Asian yeah. don't crack for sure. I thought it was fat don't crack. I was what I remember <laughs> from uh, the Cleveland show. But yeah, anyway, but because his wife was the, wow, 58. Anyway. That's, but that's a woman. I'm going to try to find the picture and I'll stick it in the show notes. But the actual actor who played Bubba Fett in. Um, Return of the Jedi. Oh, uh, when okay. he take, it was this white dude with the, like Jeremy this, something. Yeah, 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 the picture. He's got he's, like a porn stash. Yes, the porn stash. Yeah. It's, it's hysterical. 
He kind of looks like Ned Flanders, actually. Yes, yes, he does. He looks a lot like Ned Flanders. Stupid, sexy Flanders. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, I mean, I liked it, but I really felt like it 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 just t- it it was like ten minutes long is what I felt like it was an hour but you're talking about the new Boba Fett show yeah 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 just... I was I was left a, it it didn't it didn't grab me I mean I'll continue to watch it it had those moments and I'm hoping it'll it'll get better I didn't hate it but it definitely wasn't as good as some of the other stuff they've been putting out lately but some of those shows Marvel and Disney these TV shows have have been up and down they haven't they haven't all been great for sure. Uh, yeah, um, yeah. I finally, it's on my list. Yeah, I finally watched the Ten Rings, and it was all right. Um, I liked it better than I thought I would. I liked and, that movie quite a bit. It was, uh, I, it's a very short list of movies that I've seen this year, but it was probably the best movie I've seen this year. But like I said, it was a short list. Well, I take that back. I movie that came out this year. I, I saw Knives Out for the first time this year. That was probably the best one. Yeah, that was that is that was pretty good. And um, I think, oh, yeah, I could just continually wait. I check every day to see if Spider-Man is on Disney Plus yet. It's not. Uh, I think that's going to be a while. I know Eternals is coming out this month, which I did not see that in the theater. I'll see it on the uh, on the on Disney. Yeah. People were like, it's OK. <laughs> what? Spider-Man or Eternals? No, Eternals. Oh, people yeah. Like, yeah. I'm like, not. It, yeah, I'm not expecting much from it, but if I can watch it from free from my living room, I'll do it. Spider Man was very good, though. Yeah, it's what is it? No Way Home. Yep. It, no, that's what it's called. Okay, yeah, I'll see it. And that's a, that's a multiverse episode where they they bring yeah. together different different uh, film yep. actors. Okay. Yep. <clears throat> it's a if you've seen the other Spider Man movies, it's it's kind of a uh, a nice little nod to you for watching the other ones. Hmm. I actually, I think I saw the first one with Tobey Maguire, and that was it. Okay. Did was there two or three? There were three that were done by Sam Raimi, right? I know there's at least two. And yeah, the Tobey Maguire had three Sam Raimi movies, and then there's and a then there's another An- Spider Man. Andrew too. Andrew Garfield was that yep. one movie or two? Yes, that was the Amazing Spider Man. I think he only did one. Okay. And yeah, I heard. Yeah, Andrew Garfield hates Mondays and loves lasagna. Yes, that's true. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, Roy, you watched this movie that I just assume is a, a biopic of. Um, oh damn it! Now I lost it. Who sings "Fly Like an Eagle"? Um, Steve Mill. Steve oh. Miller Band. Yeah. Yep. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So you watched Ride the Eagle, which I'm assuming yep. is the story of the Steve Miller band. So. Well, no, it's, this is, <laughs> this is kind of a thoughtful movie and it's not at all gaming related. There's no action to it. Uh, I guess there's a little bit, um, but I found this on Hulu this afternoon uh, and it stars. Uh, okay. So I'm going to get names here and Jake Johnson, which is not Jimmy Pesto. That's <laughs> Jake Johnston. Something like that. Um, so this is a story about a dude who is estranged from his mother. So his mother left him when he was 12 to join a cult. And so he bore that grudge for years and years and years against her um, that she just left him, which, uh, you know, and and I don't blame him. Um, but his mom dies and she has this fabulous cabin that's up in the in on a mountain in California. And she um, 
sends them this video message saying, if you do all these quests that I'm giving you, then the cabin's yours. Otherwise, we're going to sell it. And so it's um, she feels bad about leaving him and kind of tries to teach him all these little stories and little lessons that she should have uh, taught him as they were growing up or as he was growing up. Um, so it's it's a very thoughtful movie about, um, you know, connecting with people and um, living your true self and and stuff like this. So it has this fellow by the name of, of Jake Johnson, which I know I've seen him before, but I'm not sure in what. Um, and then Darcy Carden was on The Good Place. Yep, that's where I knew her from. And uh, J.K. Simmons is in this. He's in one scene. Uh, and Susan Sarandon plays his mom, who you only see through the through the um, the VHS tape. So it's a story about him just kind of trying to set things right with his mom. So it was a very thoughtful movie. It's not rated, but there's a lot, of, like a lot of F-bombs in it. Why would it not be rated? Did it never get like a big screen release? Well, it's a Hulu release. Yeah. Uh, okay. Got it. Okay. Yeah. So, anyway, it's called Ride the Eagle, and it's available on Hulu. Um, and it has a very uh, lovely dog in it too. If you like dogs. Everybody, yes. And it's got, of course, J.K. Simmons, who's in every freaking thing, mm-hmm. and also shills for what is it, Farmers oh, Insurance? Yeah. 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 So J.K. Simmons is really only in one scene um, where he's he turns out to be his his mom's lover. And so he's very graphic with descriptions of, of what everything that his mom was into. And, and he says, <laughs> I, I realize you probably don't want to hear this, but here it is. And she was into all of it. <laughs> all right. So anyway. Right it's, on Hulu. it's on Hulu, right? All right. Yes. Uh-huh. So uh, what have you been playing, Roy? What have I been playing? So at my New Year's Eve gathering at my house, <clears throat> I played a game called QE. And so the the friend that brought it is an economist. He's, a, he's an economics professor. And QE is an uh, economics principle called quantitative easing. This is going to sound really technical, but the game is placed really pretty simple. Quantitative easing is when a government buys up uh, like bonds and things from companies in in order to um, drive up the cost of a of a bond. So it's and I'm not sure why you would do that. You know what the what the economic principles of that are. But this QE game is a it's kind of a bluffing game in that you play a government. So like I played the the European Union. And every round, there's an auctioneer that flips over a tile and says, okay, uh, this is a Japanese finance company, and we're going to auction this off. And so I'm the auctioneer. I'm going to start – the price that I want to bid is 100. You know, is that 100 what? 100 – it's 100 widgets, essentially, is what I'm, um, what I'm setting the price of this of. And they put that down on the table and they said, this is the this is the bid. And then everybody else goes around and they secretly write down a bid. And it can be anything because you're a government. I'm the EU. I can write a check for for $11 billion if I want to do that. Um, And the high bid gets the property, but nobody sees what that high bid is. So if somebody sets the price at 100, maybe I set my price 
that I want to bid for it at, at 101 or 102. Or maybe I really want it, so I set my bid at 500. But nobody sees that. So it's there's kind of a bluffing aspect to it that like, well, I know the starting bid is 100, and I know that the auctioneer didn't take it, so therefore, the person that won it bid more than 100. Um, so I kind of have a very, very vague idea as to how much they spent for it. And so you're collecting sets. There's there's four different industries. And if you can collect a set of four industries, that's worth victory points. If you can collect uh, multiples of one set, that's worth victory points. If you can, can collect uh, or buy, so like me as the EU player, if I can buy an EU company, that's some... Uh, some victory points there. But so the end of the game is you tally up all those points and the number of points uh, is the winner with the exception of whoever spent the most is an automatic loss. So there's there's some some economic aspects to it. There's there's bluffing to it. And I thought it was kind of a neat little game of um, just bluffing and 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 acting like a uh, you know a, a full um, government. Like I can write a check for however much I want. So I had never heard of that game. Sounds interesting. I think it was a Kickstarter. Okay. Now, um, you said nobody. Okay, nobody sees the bid. But how do you know who won the bid? Because the auctioneer takes and writes the. Um, the bid on the back of that tile, there it's played with dry erase markers. So on the back of the tile, there's a space where you write the bid down and you get the tile. And at the end of the game, you have to tally up however much money you spent. Okay. So like the the one player, I, yeah, I forget the, the details, but it was maybe like 200 was the difference that uh, that somebody lost by. Like if he had been, you know, two two hundred or two oh one lower, then um he would have would have won or at least been a contender in the uh in the points. Okay. So I mean so I mean you can <clears throat> you can just shoot the moon every time and get everything, but you've also basically priced yourself out of winning. So that's uh Q E that I played. And okay. then um I've been playing I'm gonna go down to the bottom of the list. Uh, and talk about Pack and Stack, which is a game that I played. Um, I've had this for quite a while. And it's in the notion that you can gamify anything. This game is about packing a moving truck. <laughs> so each round you roll some dice and it's set. Well, like the um, one die refers to tiles that are one by five long. These are wooden blocks. And then the white die refers to tiles that are one by one by one. So a cube, essentially. So you um, you collect all of the the various things that you have to pack onto the truck, and then you at the at the start, everybody flips over what truck they have in front of them, and it'll have a particular shape and how high it can be stacked. Um, and then you you can't take the one in front of you; you have to take the one in front of somebody else. So you have to in that split second when all the tiles flip up. You have to think about the volume of stuff that you have to put onto a truck and the size and height and shape of the truck that the, those blocks are supposed to go on. So it's kind of a race to the bottom in that you have a pool of money and for every 
item that you can't fit onto your truck, it's um, the number of cubes it is doubled. So like the one by five, if I can't fit that on my truck, that's that's minus 10 to me. Um, and you just pack up your little truck. So it's about, um, yeah, it's about moving. Now, I really think they could have taken it in a different direction for gamifying. They could have been like, okay, you have to f- recruit people to help you move. Like you have <laughs> beer, like you beer know, and pizza. Make yeah. it a worker placement game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you know, do you have friends that do it? You have to roll to see like what kind of person you were. So do you how many friends do you have? You know, which ones are Did your brother in law you know, just buy a pickup truck? Right, right. Oh yeah, that's the other yeah, you could have to buy a truck. Yeah. There's a lot of things that could have been done. So So anyway, that's uh yeah, Pack and Stack is a game that I've had for quite a while. Uh and now I'm gonna go back to the top and I'm gonna talk more about the crew, which I've talked about I've probably talked about the last time we were together. Uh, this is a cooperative trick-taking game where, so we're in, I think we're on level 24 or 25 right now of, of 50 missions that you're supposed to do. <clears throat> so it's it's hearts, essentially, um, or, you know, any of those trick-taking games, but it's all cooperative. So mission one is uh, you'll flip up a card and say, okay, this player has to take the yellow six, and that's what all you have to do to pass and win that game. Um, but... Then you go on to the next mission, and it's a little bit harder. And so each mission is unique. It adds different little roadblocks that say, uh, so like right now we're doing, actually the one we just finished up was uh, five different cards that people were supposed to take. So like the commander picks first, and uh, they'll go through and they'll select, okay, I want this one. And I think it was five in order that we had to do. Um, and then it goes to the next player, and the player says, "Well, I think I can take this one." And you go around until all of the uh, all the missions are handed out. And so some players will have two or maybe even three missions that they're supposed to fulfill. So it's you can there's a communication feature where you can say, "Okay, I have the highest card I have in this color is this, or the only card I have in this color is this, or the lowest card I have of this color is this." And so you're kind of, with limited information, trying to kind of feel out what the other players have and if they'll be able be able to try to help them um, make, their, make their trick, essentially. So that's called The Crew. And there's a, a sequel to this called, um, the full name is The Crew, The Quest for Planet Nine. And then um, the sequel is something about... Um, uh, something about going down in the ocean. So it's um, kind of a similar uh, mechanic, I think. So this one, the uh, Spill the Artist for 2020. Uh, let's see. And then I've been playing some more Terra Mystica on uh, Board Game Arena. And I'm in, the, it's, I'm in the middle now, too, of a game of Gaia Project, which I do not know as well. Yeah. And we're, we've kind of... And I thought it was, I, I was under the impression that it was essentially a science fiction port of Terra Mystic. It's a little bit, there's more to it. There's a tech tree in it and everything yeah. else. Yeah, it's it's a sequel to Terra Mystica science fiction. Instead of priests, you have technology, but the other mechanics kind of parallel. I, liked, okay. I, liked, I like Gaia Project better personally, but mm-hmm. I play them both. Yeah, so it's, I'm, I'm in the very in the early stages of playing that. I need to learn how to play it a little bit better. But then the game, so I, um, 
I'm coming to you from a, a I'm just going to say new computer um, because the old one that I have is I don't know, it's getting getting rough. So uh, I downloaded and put onto this computer, uh, this uh, put Steam onto it, mm-hmm. and I bought a game that I remember playing back in the back at the turn of the century, and it was called it was called Battlezone. So it's based off of the old arcade game, um, but I I played the hell out of this game. So what's available on Steam now is called Battlezone '98 Redux or Redo or however you want to pronounce it. So it is an RTS slash FPS tank fighting game. So you have your little hover tank that you um, drive around the map, and you uh, also command a factory and other you know building machines that will like crank out more tanks for you. You can set waypoints and and send them around the the, the board, and it's. Uh, it's the Americans versus the Soviets. So it's set on the moon. It's set on uh, on Venus is one of the one of the settings, and then uh, one of the moons of Jupiter, I think Io maybe, and and Ganymede. So it's um, it's I don't know. It's space tanks. It's hover tanks. Now I remember that, and if. I'm correct. The very first uh, mission you play is uh, you have to stop the Soviets from like killing Buzz Aldrin, like the actual moon landing is happening, but the Soviets are coming to like destroy it. And so you have to save them. Is that right? Mm, Nope. Well, it's okay. I guess that's one way that you can interpret it. I mean, Buzz Aldrin was not named in it. Oh yeah, the, yeah, I mean the first yeah. one is set on the moon, and you're um, yeah the Soviets invade because the so the the opening cutscene has the Eagle Lander, but then the camera pans around it to the to the vast network of of uh, you know like hyper advanced buildings behind it that the Eagle Landing was just a just a cover for the all the real stuff that was going on on the moon. And then the Soviets show up, and and uh, then you know the campaign starts. Right. And from there it goes to it goes to Mars. So I I played the hell out of this game back back in the well, I'm back in '98. So I'm re- playing it again I, on Steam. I remember it having a um a lot of uh, console ports and stuff. You could play it pretty much you know anywhere, and uh, yeah, yeah. That's like five bucks. It's on sale now. I think I'm going to pick that up. Okay. So. Uh, and I got the the bundle that had this one and the sequel together. Okay. Cool. Yeah, it's like uh for about nine dollars. I think you can get it that bundle. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Uh, it's, uh, what I've been playing is uh in Orlando. I there's this shop I go to whenever I'm in town for the holidays called Sci-Fi City. And apparently every Thanksgiving for Black Friday and every Christmas, they run a 30% off sale. And it's 30% off of their already discounted price. And so I've managed to hit it pretty hard in the past 
two months. Um, it's a really good deal, you know, because you think about like GW or whoever, you know, they already have or board games are already at 20 percent off. And so then you come in and get 30 percent off that. I mean, it's not the same as 50 percent off, but it's close. And yeah. It's yeah, I I really like the shop. They carry a ton of stuff. Uh, this past go round, I picked up um, some stuff for Delta Green, and I'm trying to think, uh, I think some more um, Star Wars Legion uh, stuff. But in the past, I picked up GW and all kinds of other stuff. I just kind of wish they had um, some. OSR stuff, old school role playing, you know, would be really cool to, you know, go through. Although they have like the biggest uh, RPG selection I've ever seen, but they don't have any OSR stuff. So it was like anything that is mainstream. Of course, D&D has its own aisle and the next aisle over is, you know, Pathfinder and literally everything else. Um, Chaosium, you know, you name it, all, all of those. So it's a really nice shop. So I just want, I had yet, I don't think I had ever talked about them on here. So I just wanted to mention that. Um, I got, finally got a copy through Cool Stuff Inc. down there of Twilight 2000. And I'm really, really wanting to actually play that game. I'm just fascinated by it. I We've talked about it a good bit here. You know, I opened up the box set and, you know, it has this big, nice map of Cold War Poland. And then it also has, it kind of looks like ASL starter kit. It's a hex map of like a town and it has all these little counters for, except instead of squads, they're individual people. So I'm, I'm like, man, I'm really liking this, like how this would play out. You know, to be like, okay, we get to a town, we get in a firefight. So I'm hoping to do something with that in the future. And uh, past that, I've just been playing Battlefield 2042, often on uh, Twitch. Like, and you can stop by and. Yeah, I got chat. an email yesterday saying you're playing that, but mm -hmm. I did not watch. You can stop by and chat with me and we'll play or whatever. And yeah, be cool. So any, anyway, Richard, uh, what have you been playing? Uh, this weekend, I've been playing a lot of Spirit Island. I think my wife and I played three games in the last three days, um, which it's it's one of my favorite games. I've been playing it for a while, and my wife likes it but hasn't really gotten into it, and she's starting to really get into it now. So Spirit Island is a game uh, where you play spirits defending an island mm -hmm. against uh, explorers and colonizers. So, you know, they, they, they explore into your island. They build cities. They build towns. Uh, eventually, you know, they cause blight upon your land, which can, you know, which can kill your presence and eventually drive you off the island. And your job is basically to kill them and scare them off the island. It's a cooperative game. It can be played. If you've got the expansions anywhere from one to six players, basically there's just a little board section for every player and they all link up. Um, they're geomorphic, so they all hook together in different ways. And for every player, you get your own board, but you don't stay on your own board. You'll expand to however many boards are linked up together. Uh, it's got a lot of neat mechanics. It's just, it's a lot of fun and I'm going to keep up, keep playing it. So can you actually like kill them or you just scare them? 
You can do both. You can kill them with some of your own powers. You can also, there's the natives on the land are on your island are called Dayhan. They're your friends. Um, so when the when the colonizers attack, is as if you defend so that the Dayhan don't get killed, then the Dayhan will counterattack anyone that's uh, that has just attacked. So you, there's two ways you can kill them. But then think. ultimately, every game is is won ultimately by fear. There's different fear levels. So like at level one, you have to completely clear the island. At level two, you have to have uh, no towns, no no buildings at all. At level three, you have to have no cities. And then at level four, when you get past that level, you just instantly win the game, no matter what's on the board. So um, it's it's kind of a combination of reducing what they have and causing fear at the same time. Yeah, I see it's actually currently on Steam. Uh, it is not, on Steam. Yeah, it's 30% off and it is $17.49. Yeah, and I play it on Steam, but the problem with Steam is you can't play multiplayer. And for a co-op game, that seems silly to me. So um, unless you're really into it, I wouldn't necessarily recommend you get it on Steam. I would love to play it multiplayer, but it's not available that way electronically. So we play on our own table. All right. And uh, last week, last Thursday, I think I played an 18xx game. We played 1830, which is, I think it might be the first 18xx game, actually. So 18xx game is a series of train games that happen in the 1800s all over the world. Um, but the thing they have in common is you play basically railroad robber barons. Your job is to to build railroads, you know, get them to start making some money and then extract as much of the wealth from the railroad into your personal wealth as much as possible. That's the goal of the game, to make more money than anyone else. So um, we played this one. We didn't quite finish it. We only had about five hours to play Thursday night. Uh, if we had finished this one, it probably would have taken seven or so, um, which is about average for an 18xx game. It's it's kind of an all-day game. Some of them are, are really long, but average ones are an all-day game. But we tried to squeeze one in the evening, couldn't quite get to it. And I was trying to think if this is the one – I know this one does have a, like an alternate um, uh, box art. Uh, yeah, but... there's even an alternate map, and this one has – the which – this is the first time I played this one, but it has something that I haven't seen in the other ones. This one actually has scenarios as well with like different setups and stuff like that. I just know uh, it's not what I was thinking of. There's one of them that has one 18xx game that has an alternate box art where it's an actual folk. It's on the the box. It's a photograph of a guy dressed up like a robber baron and he oh. looks, looks ridiculous. So. <laughs> I don't know which one that is. Anyway, so yeah. Uh, last month at the uh, St. Louis Wargamer Day at Miniature Market, I played a game called, and I'll probably mispronounce this. I think it's just, I think it's Cell, but it's C E L L E S. It's, I think the French pronunciation would be Cell. It's, it's named after a town in Belgium, um, and it's a, it's a Battle of the Bulge game. It takes place at the sort of the, the high tide of the German advance, where they're trying to take get those last few miles to get across the river, and the Americans are spread pretty thin, but they've got reinforcements coming in. Uh, and it's just a one-map game. It's not very big. It's easy to pick up. We played. We actually played two games. We played it twice in about four, maybe five hours. So it plays really quickly. Um, not a coffee shop game. It's 
it's a full size 22 by 34 map although you could potentially but it's definitely a smaller quicker lighter war game um but still a lot of fun a lot of interesting decisions to make um as you know the germans are, are trying to trying to do everything they can to get to the river as quickly as possible and the americans are trying to fill in the gaps so that they can't do that mm. you got to stop them yeah otherwise they'll get over there and do stuff that they shouldn't do yeah, yeah. and then we also played a game of Pandemic Legacy Season Zero. We didn't actually start the Legacy campaign. We just sort of played the, you know, you can play like the the first game as much as you want without changing any components. So we just played it to get a feel for it. It it plays pretty different from the other Pandemic games. Um, it's got some different mechanics that we we lost terribly, which is good that we weren't really playing for keeps. Um, because it's different from the other pandemic games for sure we're gonna probably play that some more this week and actually get into the campaign okay but in, in legacy season zero you actually play spies so instead of like doctors and researchers and stuff like that you're it takes place in the I don't know, 60s maybe 50s i can't remember um and you play american spies that are uh trying to investigate a russian bioweapons program so Basically, you're finding out that the, it was the Russians that caused the pandemic in the first place, uh, and you're trying to stop it before it happens. Okay. You know what could help you stop Russians? What could? That would be Mike at Ultra Dementia. Oh, yeah, definitely. He could uh, He could print up some some uh, Some anti-Russian shields. stuff. Yeah, yes. anti-Russian stuff. Whatever yeah. you need, he can uh, print it up. And you can see this in the show notes. This is at Alter three dementia.com um and the discount code you can use over there is cog 2019 a code which is now what three years old <laughs> yeah uh, it's nice still going strong get 20 percent off your order tell him you heard him here and uh yeah he will print whatever you've got an stl file for or he's got licenses himself for uh different things that he will print and ship to you that's alterdementia.com. I got to say, uh, like how Behind the Bastards goes to their th- uh, their commercials, it's because it's always different, I guess. It's like when they record the show, they just put a little slot as in there will be a commercial here. And so he tosses to whatever these products and services are. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I fully support these following product and services. So, yeah, just funny to me. Anyway. So onto what's on your radar, we have the Swordsmanship Academy, the Swordsmanship Museum and Academy. Tell me, this hey, is like, oh, sorry, that's me. Uh, I just I saw this on Reddit. Uh, so I am part of the Grand Rapids subreddit, Grand Rapids, Michigan, mm-hmm. and there is apparently a dude in the area who is doing sword fighting classes. So like long sword, uh, epee, all of these. Um, you know, old uh, archaic uh, sword fighting classes. So <laughs> I was a little surprised that such a thing was available in my area. But uh, I don't know. That's on my radar. Maybe uh, look, give that a try. That Can you is... bring like a Zweihander to the AP class and just own everybody? <laughs> I, what is a Zweihander? Is that like a Claymore? Oh, yeah, like a big two-handed sword. Yeah. Oh, all right. Yeah, I don't know anything about it other than uh, they have a website. They don't have a they don't have a venue yet, so they like uh, go to rec centers and things. Um, so yeah, that's um, it looked kind of cool. 
Roy, I will say a uh, life pro tip, bring a gun to a knife fight. <laughs> I've heard that before. Yeah. Uh, I have one comment on here because I'm, I'm curious. Uh, like there's an event uh, that's I think it's it's actually today, Sunday, January 2nd. It says Coffee with Warriors, Mark Sanders, Mississippian Armor and Maces. Like what? is specifically mississippi armor or what is a mississippi mace i'm i'm curious and i'm i'm assuming they're talking about something related to the river and not uh related to uh the state but i i don't know so i'm i'm just curious (laughs) yeah i don't know uh and i will say there is oh yeah okay i'm googling mississippi maces and there is a mississippi ceremonial mace blade oh okay this is all from like mound builders and stuff from i guess you know the whole mississippi valley sort of thing uh in memphis they have a uh armored fighting club i can't think of the name of it i'll try to remember and link it in the show notes but it's yeah it's i mean it's like the sca i guess but instead of just hanging out and beating each other with foam swords you're actually in armor and you're fighting so uh i find that fascinating although i know i'm absolutely too old and too out of shape to be doing it but i would definitely go and watch someone do it so you know it's pretty neat so you have an invite to play mega civilization why do i know mega civilization is that well, the eastern empires western empires oh okay um so yeah i have a um i met a guy who who said hey we're gonna starting at eight in the morning and going until maybe 10 at night we're gonna play this mega civilization game yep it's an old day game for sure yeah so I, the the mega part of it means it plays eighteen players. So yeah. it's a blend. It's a it's a, a cludging together of eastern empires and western empires. So I I have an, an invite to to go and play this, but I don't know if I want to accept. Because <laughs> man alive, it looks like a commitment. So you would go there. There'd be like seventeen other people there. Well, ideally. If I, you know, if there was, if they had a full complement, which I don't know if they do or not. Hmm. Um, so yeah, that's it. Is people familiar with it? I played it. It's an interesting game. It's it's not hard to grasp, but like, but it is very very long. So it's fun. I mean, it's okay. if yeah, I would definitely say it's worth doing once. Yeah. All right. And the uh, well, you know, I need to well. We'll talk to this guy maybe at some point. Um, so this is a fellow by the name. I'm just going to throw out the name. No, I I have not asked permission. Um, so I won't use his name as of yet. So I met this guy who is a lawyer, and he is an intellectual property lawyer. And he does uh, a lot of work for board game designers. So maybe at some point I'll talk to him and maybe have him. Maybe we can do an interview with him. That would be kind of cool. Just oh. yeah, just curious as to like you know what what kind of work you know is that all he does? How did he get into it? You know that mm-hmm. kind of thing. What are some common issues, problems, 
whatever. Yeah, just curious. And I think that he he mentioned that he was one of the play testers for um, Twilight Imperium too. Maybe uh, fourth edition. So that that thing went on sale pretty cheap over uh, Christmas. I think I think it dropped down to like eighty bucks. 78 bucks oh, wow. something like that yeah because like msrp i think is like 149 mm-hmm. on it like um, that, yeah. yeah i'm like eh I, I know people that own this there's no reason for me to own it so you can always oh. drive to st louis and play <laughs> yeah I, I yeah need to do it at some point for sure so anyway and uh, uh yeah. i wanted to add on one other thing is that i have a copy of gloomhaven now of the nice. of the base game uh, so Jaws of the Lion and the and the standard Gloomhaven. Nice. Did you uh did you get it from for Christmas? Yes, I did. From okay. my wife. That's cool. Very cool. Uh, on to actual news. And the first thing I've got is Void Squad Tactics is coming next year. And the reason why I put this on here is Void is a game. Uh, I would say dates from the late 80s, early 90s. I always remember seeing it on the shelf at conventions or uh, the, the local gaming store and never played it. It some kind of Necromunda-esque game where it's a it's a sci-fi skirmish game. Maybe it was designed to be a competitor to Rogue Trader, the very first uh, 40K game. I don't know. But it's interesting to me to see that, you know, the molds are still around. Yeah, because these, boy, these sculpts are dated. And, um, yeah, I have no idea the background or anything. I'm sure it's all, you know, sci-fi and dark and whatnot. You wouldn't want to live there. But anyway. There, uh, the new squad tactics box set will come with the rules. The quick start it looks like you get seven marines and seven junkers. So I'm assuming they're going to be the op four for this. And of course, it's based out of the UK. So I don't quite know what the price will be or how it will um break down into freedom dollars but yeah i don't know i honestly thought this is just one of those things that just kind of yeah the ip was dead somebody owned it and yeah i I was surprised so so moving on uh the next thing we have here is oh well it's kind of old news now but asmoday was acquired by embracer group and i know they're not what everything I read about them is they're not a company that would have just chopped it up and sold it. And it was very nice to learn. They also control, they also own uh, THQ Nordic gearbox and a couple of other video game studios. So eh, it, it could be better. I mean, it could be like some nice stuff we get down the pipeline. At least it, it should be safe to continue to play like star Wars Legion armada x-wing etc so there you go uh that's yeah i always wondered well, what would happen so do we think that because i know that asmodee has kind of uh gotten a reputation for trying to uh cut corners you know reduce costs that sort of thing uh and you know most notably with the uh we're not going to do any parts replacement anymore 
uh, I, I got to wonder if, you know, if they're, if the bosses are new, if they're going to try to kind of, uh, I don't know, re-embrace the, the community. That'd be, it, it, I would hope that, I don't know, that this change in ownership would maybe kind of make a change in attitude too. I, I would hope so. And I guess we'll only time will tell. I mean, I wouldn't imagine it could get worse. So it, we kind of <laughs> hope it would get better. Well, there's that, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I really hope they kind of turn turn things around because there's been a lot of unease and a lot of, you know, just bad blood, bad press. And they've kind of shifted a little bit of it onto the pandemic. And it's like, oh, you know, no supplies and whatever. But still, it, how we have to get replacement parts is fucking stupid. And I think it's so dumb. I didn't like it. And uh, yeah, so hopefully they're going to do more stuff. Mm-hmm. But. Yeah. So the next thing we had was the smallest thing we've ever done from the Wargaming Company. And this is a company we've mentioned before that does Napoleonic's rule set and rules. And they are now doing 10 millimeter uh, figures for uh, their rule set. And they'll you'll be able to buy a box not only of like uh, their rules, but their rules and figure starter armies and all that fun stuff. So what's the smallest? Six? Uh, well, technically, I think two millimeter. Oh, wow. Which is ridiculous. Now I have a paint all those wow. blue pants. Uh, look, <laughs> and, uh, no lie, especially because it's Napoleonics. And, and that's, <laughs> that's the thing is as small as, so just for uh, reference, 1.6 millimeters is equivalent roughly to a 16th of an inch. And then so that's, uh, yeah, just over 16th of an inch then. Um, my friend Chad swears up and down anything smaller than 15 millimeter. It should be a board game counter. <laughs> yeah. that th- there shouldn't be anything smaller than that. And I agree completely when it comes to like two millimeter. I've seen and now I have seen some people do some really nice stuff with painting painting them that you really get the idea of what they're supposed to represent on the table. But there's no way in hell I could. It would just be a block. Two millimeter, you could fit the Grand Armée on your table. Mm-hmm. <laughs> on your dining room table, no problem. Yep. So yeah, uh, uh, Paris to Moscow could actually like fit in your house. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Just go there and then come back, dying along the way. <laughs> uh, the next thing we had, this goes from ICV2. Games Workshop is going to reprint Warhammer Quest Cursed City and also bringing new expansions. This is really interesting because that game really shot up dollar-wise for um, in the secondary market. Because I know my local store sold out in a week. And they were like, well, that's that's it. They're like, they don't have any more. We can't get any more. And just, you know, there you go. And so it's, I mean, it was like a $200 box set. And it started creeping up to like, it got over 500 at one point. Uh, you could get seven, 800 for it if all the miniatures were painted. And yeah, so uh, it's nice to see. This is basically their dungeon crawler set in the Sigmarian world. So it's coming back. So if you've been sitting on some and waiting for the price to get even higher so you can scalp it, I'd go ahead and just dump that out and hope you can get your money back. So anyway. So, all right, guys, do you know who Post Malone is? 
He's a tattooed rapper. Yeah, I've heard of him. Yeah, see, I'm the same way. I've heard of him. And, you know, he kind of pops up in, like, game gaming, like video games and occasionally board games or whatever. But, uh, yeah, Wizards of the Coast is going to do a brand collaboration with Post Malone to promote Friday Night Magic. So that's interesting. I mean, I have to think, like, you know, I guess, you know, with gaming and everything being very mainstream, this where you get things like Henry Cavill talking about Warhammer you know, in addition to The Witcher. Oh, yeah, I finished that new season finally, and it was awesome. I really want more, and I think I have to wait a while. I'm glad uh, someone thinks that, because I am not enjoying it. I was pretty bored of it. Uh, well, I thought the last two episodes it picked up. I, I mean, I understand it getting bored, and I know the part where we were in the book, and yeah, the, the last two episodes picked up, and I thought were really good. So, But that's just me, so. Anyway, I, it's just really interesting to see a company like Wizards of the Coast to, you, you know, you wonder who reached out to who, you know, like, hey, you know, <laughs> like you want you want to do something? Yeah, do this, you know, make some, I don't know, napkins or facial tattoo, temporary facial tattoos. That's what I want to see <laughs> for uh, uh, for Magic the Gathering, temporary facial tattoos. So. Anyway, uh, the next thing we had was PCGamer.com ranked the best Warhammer games. And this is PC, you know, best Warhammer video games. And it's a list of 26 total games. And especially lately, uh, GW has been licensing things left and right. And uh, yeah, you can really, yeah play all kinds of video games with them now on your phone or consoles, PC, whatever. I mean, they're just getting licensed everywhere. But it wasn't always that way. Are there any that, like, stick out for you guys? I know a lot of people know of Warhammer thanks to the Dawn of War series or the the Total War series where they did yeah. Total War Warhammer. Yeah, I had never played a single one of those. I was looking at the list. Nope, never played any. Um, I guess it's all on me. I can do it. <laughs> So, uh, the current version of Blood Bowl is really good. It plays a lot like the uh, the actual board game. I like the Warhammer Quest 2. I I liked it. Uh, I'm trying to think. Warhammer Underworlds Online, which is number 16. I like the idea of it, but I never play it. I think like the main thing I've been like putting time and effort into has been oh yes shadow of the horned rats number 10 i remember that they even ported it for the playstation the og playstation and it was just horrible looking i couldn't get it i warhammer online was number nine i played it for a good bit but i like uh the end times vermitide 2 is uh what, what i think it's number, number seven one. Is it, uh, yeah, Vermintide 2 is, no, is number two. Oh. Yeah, we're basically, if you guys are familiar with Left 4 Dead, get the, yeah, zomb the yeah. zombie game that Valve did, it's basically mm -hmm. like that, only it's skinned in Warhammer Fantasy. So I, I like it a lot. I don't play it as much as I should, but I like it. And the Total War Warhammer 2 uh, I own but have not played is the number one on here. But I have a link to the show notes. Hopefully you can find something on there. So does it play like Warhammer? No, no, not Tabletop? at all. 
Okay. No, not at all. It's uh, Vermintide is like a it's like a first person shooter. Basically, it plays just like Left for Dead, where you have different character classes that you can be that mm-hmm. have different strengths. You know, uh, people that heal, people that cast spells, pe- you know, tanks that just you know just beat the crap out of things. Ah. And yeah, and so, so you'll have what a, about what about number one there, the Total War? Now it plays like it that it plays how maybe warhammer should play but doesn't it plays like total war does where you're moving where you have a set army and you're trying to fight you know accomplish the scenario to me it's that makes more sense and it's more involved than um actual warhammer but that's just me So the last thing we have is the Walking Dead miniatures game comes to an end in 2022. And I know no one that plays this. I'm yeah, not neither saying, do I. <laughs> I'm not saying it's bad. And I cannot imagine what Mantic paid for the the rights to do it. You know, there's some cool figures and stuff, cool set pieces and vehicles and stuff are really nice. And yeah. But uh, yeah, it's it's finishing out. I'm trying to think: is the show still on the air? Sort of, I think. I and I think there I think was it, it uh, "Don't Fear the Walking Dead," something like that. Well, yeah, I think there there was like two spinoffs. There was like yeah. the, there was like the show, and then like two um, spinoffs, and then uh, when did the comic end? Seems like it ended. What like? two three years ago i can't remember i don't know but i mean this was another thing remember how big the walking dead used to be but mm-hmm, i guess sure. yeah it's it's been around since okay the 11th and final season premiered on august 22nd 2021 it is set to conclude on amc in 2022 so it's been going on since 2010 and I think I watched to season three, maybe. What was the one with the prison where they were staying in the prison? I think that was season two or three. I can't remember. Okay. I I've really watched it. Uh, I, just, I just realized that seasons just kind of like every season has to have the you know the big bad that's that's pressuring them um, to you know go farther or you know change. Oh, we got to move here, move there, and I just it all kind of started to blend together. Yeah, and okay, they did. Fear the Walking Dead and The Walking Dead World Beyond were the two uh, spinoffs for that that I've actually heard of. So Okay. That's a big thing. So uh, I guess that brings us to the end for the first uh, show of 2022. And it was great. It's going to be a great year. It's going to be the best year for us. We're going to do all kinds of stuff. It's going to be great. So you want to tune in about every two weeks. You can follow us on Twitter at Chance of Gaming, all one word. Same for Twitch and all that good stuff. Go to chanceofgaming.com and see everything there. And oh, there you go. So nice talking to you guys. And I'll uh, see you again uh, in a couple of weeks. Yeah. Happy New Year, everyone. Party on, dudes. We'll see you next time.